Hello, everyone. Welcome to God Talk with Tara. I'm Tara. Um, we are going to jump in with prayer and then sort of move right along. Father God, thank you so much for your son. Thank you, Lord God, for Resurrection Sunday or Easter or however people want to say it. Thank you, Lord, for the reminder that you have given us, Father, of the hope that came with Jesus Christ. For the reminder, Lord, that death is not the end, that it is simply a transformation into the fullness of what you have created us to be. And Lord, that in the here and in the now, that you send your spirit, Father, to seal us with the promise of what is to come. Father, I pray tonight that you would make me small and that you would magnify Jesus. I pray that you would still my mind and my words and that you would fill me with your spirit and your words, Lord God. And that as those come out of my mouth, Father, I pray that the ears they reach would hear your voice. I pray, Lord, that you are opening pathways, minds, ears, hearts to hear the message that you have for them tonight. And I pray, God, that in the midst of all of this, that we would glorify you that we would carry your kingdom, Father, that we would be your ambassadors to those who need to know who you are and that you have come. Lord God, I pray. I pray that we would walk in the inaugurated kingdom of Jesus Christ until he comes. We ask this tonight in his name and by your spirit and all for your honor and glory, Lord. Amen. So I was trying to figure out what to talk about tonight. Um, and since we always end with prayer and I usually bow out quickly thereafter, uh, I will just touch base real fast. Obviously I'm not doing <laughs> these every night. Um, I missed Friday last week cause my mother was here and it occurs to me that's going to be an ongoing problem. So I am working on getting a schedule worked out that actually works with the other schedules that I already have. Um, I actually had the blessing of sitting down with my friend Donna today and it's been a little, little while, way too long actually. And it is refreshing when you get to sit down with friends and you spill the things out of your head that have been going on and they look at you and go, well, you could try this. And you're like, wow. Yeah. Should have thought of that. Um, so it's been suggested to me that my garage might make a better, uh, studio for doing this, uh, particularly when my mom is here and our son is going to be moving back in for a while as he looks for a place in this area, I think. And so it is just, uh, we're going to try that on Friday and see how that goes. In the meantime, Saturdays are still up in the air. Um, I will do Saturday podcasts as a Zoom live stream for anybody that is a patron on Patreon um, that would like to participate in that. But honestly, if I don't have anyone that is wanting to have a conversation, I think we may go ahead and hold it to Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. The other format change is that Seedbed, the wake-up call, is going to be transitioning into a new series here in the next week or so. I believe we've got seven days of Eastertide stories with Dan Wilt still left to go. And then JD is going to be taken back over and we're going to be walking through Romans. Um, I have been so far doing these 
off the cuff with whatever God gives me in a given day and bouncing around the scriptures a bit. One of the concerns that I always have with that, where you're not following a pattern through scripture is it's very easy to fall into only talking about the passages that you like best or that you're most familiar with. And you end up missing a lot of the Bible in the process. Um, at the same time, I don't always like moving through books, but Seedbed is very good about keeping their series kind of on track. So we are going to try following along with the daily text. And um, since we're not doing it every day with the podcast, I imagine I will be able to pick and choose passages that we'll be talking about um, that God leads us to in that study. And I do trust that he is going to lead us to things in that study to talk about. So that is my prayer going forward that he works through that. If I am misunderstanding or mishearing him, I will let you know if <laughs> we go back to uh, being a little bit more flexible in what we're covering. But so far, he has used the wake up call a lot of times as a springboard into the things we talk about on the podcast. So uh, if you are unfamiliar, by the way, with the wake up call, it is a... Um, a daily devotion that is produced by seedbed.com and they are amazing. The JD Walt, Dan Will are primarily the ones, JD is actually the one that does it most of the time. Uh, Dan subs in for different things. So he just brought us through a Linton study and every now and again, you'll have other guest authors pop in, but these are not your typical daily devotion. They are designed to make you think and they uh, offer an opportunity to walk through the various devotions with a community of believers. If you get on Facebook, there is a um, the wake up call group that you can join that has very lively discussions daily about the about the devotions. Um, including J.D. Walt and Dan Walt and several of the other authors are part of that group. So if you have questions or something comes to your mind that you want to hash out, they're actually there and oftentimes will engage in conversations. So it is a really wonderful community for growth. If you've never heard of that, I highly encourage you to check it out and sign up for the the emails or just come and play with us on Facebook um, as we celebrate God and how he grows us through talking and, and learning with one another. Um, well, did not mean this to be a pitch for the wake up call, but apparently the Lord wanted me to talk about that tonight. So we're excited about um, all the things going on there. And tonight, tonight, <clears throat> I was sitting here and thinking about what it was I needed to talk about. And it's funny because I jot down notes. I'll be having conversation with people and I jot down notes and then I promptly lose them somewhere in my files. And I assume that the Lord will bring them to mind when I'm ready. But tonight is not the night that any of those notes were relevant. Instead, God was like, so what's this message that I've been giving you? And he keeps telling me, you just need to show up. Um, so there's been a lot of mm, turmoil, not only in my life, but in the lives of a lot of believers these last several months. Uh, 
a lot of you already know that I am part of the Methodist movement, and there is a lot of turmoil going on in the main branch of Methodism in the United States right now. There's a lot of battle. There's a lot of um, difficulty, and we see that in the broader culture, too. There's just a lot of clashing between people. There's a lot of hatred. There's a lot of vitriol. There's a lot of anger and frustration. And as we look at this, it can sometimes feel like you're in a continuous battle and that you're just exhausted. You're tired from it and you feel like you have to keep fighting and picking up your sword, whether that is, you know, swords of the flesh or whether it is uh, our more spiritual armor, or the weapons of our warfare not being carnal and all of that. We feel this overwhelming need to be constantly on guard and constantly prepared. And with that comes a fear um, that many of us will, will begin to feel that brings us to a place of being very hesitant to move forward sometimes in the things that God calls us to do. Because we're afraid that sooner or later that weariness, that tiredness, the overwhelmingness of the odds is going to cause us to stumble and fall. And it's an interesting thing because well, I mentioned I went to go talk to my friend Donna today, and that was because of a paper I have to write for my pastoral counseling class. And I was very frustrated with the assignment this past week because, well, for one thing, I was running a little late because I had missed a step that <laughs> um, I needed to take care of before I could get the assignment going. But also I was... I was frustrated. We had to do um, personality assessments, essentially. I'm sure some of you have heard of the DISC assessment. And when I was reading over the information that it had sent back to me, it was, it seemingly was mismatched with who I know myself to be. And so I was frustrated and I was thinking about that. And what Donna pointed out was that, while I might not be looking for recognition or appreciation for myself, I do want Jesus Christ to be recognized in the things that I, I say and do. More than that, I consider myself, as we should all consider ourselves, ambassadors for Christ. Um, and so we are ambassadors for the kingdom of God. We are ambassadors for the kingdom of heaven. And so when we interact with the world around us, we want them to see Jesus. And so the fear becomes, for some of us, when we've been fighting for a very long time and when the battle has been wearing on us, when our encounters in previous times have resulted in explosions and conflict, um, whatever the battle we're dealing with, it causes us to be hesitant to engage on the same terrain again because we are afraid that we might mar our witness, because we might grow weary and we might fall down. And in doing so, we might bring shame on the Lord. Now, it wouldn't normally occur to me that that would be an issue, but tonight it really does. So, I know that there are a lot of struggles going on for a lot of people, but mine are a little bit 
closer to home right now that the Lord has been telling me. He has been telling me to reach out to my oldest son and his family. They all live out in Washington State. Um, and it's been a very long time since we have talked. It's been even longer since I've seen them. I went out there in, I believe it was Christmas of mm, 2020, maybe. And that was the last time I have seen them. And then the last time I had really spoken with them was in a Facebook exchange in April. And so that isn't because we haven't reached out. That is because there was a battle being waged. There is an ideological rift um, between our households that for me and for my husband doesn't does not affect the love we have, nor does it need to affect the relationships that we have. Um, but from their perspective, they felt very mm, hurt and upset. And we have been unable to really overcome that. We haven't really known what to do with that. And so for the most part, we've given them their space. We've reached out to touch base now and then, especially around holidays and birthdays. Um, and sometimes just to say, hi, I love you. But beyond that, we haven't really pushed. And lately, the Lord has actually since Asbury, <laughs> um, the Lord has really been laying it on both of our hearts that we need to mend what is broken. And there is a lot of fear in that. Um, and I find it kind of funny that the passage the Lord brought me to is not a very mending type passage, <laughs> but it still speaks to, to what he has been saying, not just in the situation with Justin, but also with the situation with the church that I have been a part of. I think I had mentioned that many of them have left to go begin anew, and I have been here working towards assisting with um, the future of the preschool that is housed in this church and that is thriving and serves this community very, very well and is a testimony to the kingdom of God. Um, and the Lord in that has given me a vision to ask for that property for the preschool and to bring that into the leadership of the conference. And, um, and I have to say in the beginning of that, when the Lord first said something about that to me, I was feeling kind of terrified that I had maybe lost my mind just a little bit. <laughs> um, because sometimes God gives you really big visions. He gives you a really big ask. He gives you a very big dream and his command is to trust him with that. So whether the battle, and it is a battle, whether the battle is asking for something that seems just over the top, or whether it is seeking to overcome the worldly forces that have divided families and caused rifts in relationships, 
whatever it is, this that the battle that the Lord has you in today. And it is a battle because even though I'm not fighting with my son and I'm not fighting with the conference, I am fighting with the spiritual enemies of God and the spiritual enemies of myself and the spiritual enemies of my children and the spiritual enemies of the preschool that desire for God's people to be scattered and oppressed and isolated and broken and alone. So all of us are facing these battles. This this is actually something that Dan had been talking about last week in the wake-up calls is that we are either in a spiritual battle, just coming into a spiritual battle, or just coming out of a spiritual battle. We get breathers along the way, but they are just breathers. The devil goes away until an opportune time. He doesn't go away. Until Jesus comes back, we are in that state where spiritual warfare is a typical, normal, standard thing in the life of a believer. And so what God was saying to me today was, I didn't ask you to win the war. I asked you to show up to the battle. Because it's when you show up to the battle that I rescue you remember this. And I did. I remember that there's a passage in the Old Testament. And so I went looking for it. And so I want to read to you, and it's kind of a little bit of a long passage, but it's important for us to kind of understand. Now understand that this is during the time of the kings. It's actually in Chronicles. It's in Second Chronicles. Um, and so this is in, in the time of, I believe, the divided kingdom. And this is with the Israelites, and it's part of the cycle of the Israelites of, of being rescued by God and then their leaders falling away um, and then coming back to God. And we're looking at this point here where the Israelites have been being oppressed by their neighbors for quite some time. Um, there's these cycles like this, and, and in their history, they always have these vulnerabilities, especially when they are not following what God has called them to do. And so we're in this moment of time where Jehoshaphat has taken over from his father, and we're going to go ahead and read through Second Chronicles 20. So after this, the Moabites and the Ammonites, and with them some of the Mayanites, came against Jehoshaphat for battle. Some men came and told Jehoshaphat, A great multitude is coming against you from Edom, from beyond the sea, and behold, they are in Hazazan Tamar, that is En Gedi. Then Jehoshaphat was afraid, and set his face to seek the Lord, and proclaim a fast throughout all Judah. And Judah assembled to seek help from the Lord. From all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. And Jehoshaphat told the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court and said, O Lord, God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven? You rule over all the kingdoms of the nations. In your hand are power and might so that none is able to withstand you. Did you not, our God, drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and give it forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friend? 
And they have lived in it and have built for you in it a sanctuary for your name, saying, If disaster comes upon us, the sword, judgment, or pestilence, or famine will stand before this house and before you, for your name is in this house, and cry out to you in our affliction, and you will hear and save. And now, behold, the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir, whom you would not let Israel invade when they came from the land of Egypt, and whom they avoided and did not destroy, Behold, they reward us by coming to drive us out of your possession, which you have given us to inherit. O oh, our God, will you not execute judgment on them? For we are powerless against this great horde that is coming against us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. Meanwhile, all Judah stood before the Lord with their little ones, their wives, and their children. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel, son of Zechariah, son of Benaiah, son of Jael, son of Madaniah, a Levite of the sons of Asaph in the midst of the assembly. And he said, Listen, all Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem and King Jehoshaphat, thus says the Lord to you, do not be afraid and do not be dismayed at this great horde, for the battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow go down against them. Behold, they will come up by the ascent of Ziz. You will find them at the end of the valley east of the wilderness of Jeruel. You will not need to fight in this battle. Stand firm, hold your position, and see the salvation of the Lord on your behalf, O Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid and do not be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them and the Lord will be with you. Then Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground and all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem fell down before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. And the Levites of the Kohathites and the Korites stood up to praise the Lord, the God of Israel, with a very loud voice. And they rose early in the morning and went out into the wilderness of Tekoa. And when they went out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God and you will be established. Believe his prophets and you will succeed. And when he had taken counsel with the people, he appointed those who were to sing to the Lord and praise him in holy attire as they went before the army and say, give thanks to the Lord for his steadfast love endures forever. And when they began to sing in praise, the Lord set an ambush against the men of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, who had come against Judah so that they were routed. For the men of Ammon and Moab rose against the inhabitants of Mount Seir, devoting them to destruction. And when they had men made an end of the inhabitants of Seir, they all helped to destroy one another. When Judah came to the watchtower of the wilderness, they looked toward the horde, and behold, there were dead bodies lying on the ground. None had escaped. When Jehoshaphat and his people came to take their spoil, they found among them in great numbers goods, clothing, and precious things, which they took for themselves until they could carry no more. They were three days in taking the spoil, it was so much. On the fourth day, they assembled in the valley of Baraka, for there they blessed the Lord. Therefore, the name of that place has been called the valley of Baraka to this day. Then they returned every man of Judah and Jerusalem and Jehoshaphat at their head, returning to Jerusalem with joy, for the Lord had made them rejoice over their enemies. They came to Jerusalem with harps and lyres and trumpets to the house of the Lord, and the fear of God came on all the kingdoms of the countries when they heard that the Lord had fought against the enemies of Israel. 
So the realm of Jehoshaphat was quiet, for his God gave him rest all around. We're going to go ahead and stop there. That goes down through verse 30. There's a little bit more. Um, and basically it was that Jehoshaphat continued in his father's footsteps of behaving himself and not turning aside from the Lord and doing what was right. Um, but the people of God were still worshiping in high places and they had not fully turned to God. And so the next passage continues on with what happens with the people of Judah later. But this is the part that I want us to think about. So, and this is not an uncommon thing, particularly in the Old Testament, where God calls on his people, like he called on Gideon to go after the Midianite army with 300 men. Um, he called on, let's see, what was the other one? Uh, he called on Hezekiah when Sennacherib came against Jerusalem um, with his armies, with the Assyrian armies that had been wiping out all of the nations around them. Is it Syrians? And hmm, I think I might be off in which army it was. Uh, but either way, the armies that have been wiping out all of the kingdoms around Jerusalem were on the doorstep. Yeah, so it was the Assyrian army. So this is the the empire that had wiped out the northern kingdom of Jerusalem. And Hezekiah is standing on the walls, quaking in his boots. And the commander of the Assyrian army, on behalf of Sennacherib, the, the leader, comes to the walls and basically is taunting the Israelites and taunting God. And proclaims that it's God himself who sent who sent the army and that he was going to breach the walls of Jerusalem and essentially burn their God, just like he had burned all the other gods of all of the other nations. And God's response to this was to send the angel of the Lord into the camp and annihilate the Assyrian army without Hezekiah sending anybody outside the walls at all. 185,000 in the Assyrian camp were dead when the camp woke up, which they broke camp and withdrew. When suddenly you have 185,000 people that die while you're all sleeping, this is generally an instigation to leave. So God does these sorts of things throughout scripture where he says to his people, Go and do the thing that I have told you to do. Go take your trumpets and your priests and walk around the walls of Jericho for seven days and blow your trumpets. And on the seventh day, when you do as I have told you and you walk around it seven times and you blow your trumpets, the walls will fall down and the city will be yours. God very frequently sent his people into battle in ways that the world would look upon as crazy. Um, and when they were faithful and they did as God asked, God won the battles for them. And I want to think about that in terms of Jesus, because if we think about that, each one of us is fighting a battle 
within ourselves. We fight a battle against our sinful behavior. We fight battles against the consequences of our past lives when we have been, you know, before we have come to Christ, where we may have done things that hurt people, where we may have damaged relationships, where we may have um, brokenness. We fight the battle against the consequences of these things. We fight these battles and we try to fight them on our own. We try to hold them as our own and we try to stand in our own power and in our own strength and we inevitably fail sooner or later. We come to a place where we are not able and this is the thing that causes us to be afraid. This is the thing that makes it so that when God says, go and do this thing, we hesitate. When God says, extend an invitation to that person who's angry at you or that person that you've not spoken to in a long time, extend an invitation. We're afraid. We're afraid because we are afraid sooner or later we will lose that battle in us. We will lose the battle against the consequences. We will lose the battle against the sin. We will lose the battles that we fight. We will lose the battle against the, the people who are trying to cause us harm or that we perceive to be trying to cause us harm. We will lose the battle for our property. We will lose the battle for our children. We will lose the battle is what we're afraid of. And so we don't engage. We stay safely at home. And in doing that, we miss the blessing of God. And oftentimes, because we are unwilling to show up, God does not deliver us. And instead, we watch those things that we are so afraid of losing slip out of our hands. Now, I will say that I am always a little concerned. I used to be a lot more concerned about giving God a bad name. I don't want to say and do things that would lead people to think badly of God because of something I said or did. But I have to understand that in the context of who God is and of what he does and of how he works. So when God says to me, Go and speak to this person that has no reason to listen to you and ask them for something that they have no reason to give you, but that you need um, or that I desire you to have. When I refuse to go and do as I'm told, the blessing of God is not going to come to me because some of the things of God are contingent on my being willing to accept them and being willing to do the thing that God has called me to do in order to receive the blessing. But I don't have to. The only thing my ability to win over these things that I struggle with, though, the only contingency there is that I accept Christ and I give the battle to him. And I give the battle to God because the battle against my sinfulness is not mine. I will lose that battle every single time. God, however, says that he will deliver us. 
he will deliver us just like he delivered Jehoshaphat and the Israelites from Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir. Because it's his battle. You will not need to fight. Just show up, stand firm, hold your position. And the salvation of the Lord on your behalf will be there. Jesus Christ gave us that salvation to carry with us into every situation that we have. And he will be in us and with us. See, this is the, the thing about showing up and making God look bad. If we believe Christ is who he said he is, then we believe that he did what he said he was going to do. He's going to put his Holy Spirit in us. So if God calls us to something and we show up, we don't need to be concerned that we're going to make God look bad. As long as we are seeking to walk in obedience, God is able to make us stand and he will. And he does. Now, from our perspective, sometimes we still might be making him look stupid, right? Now, that's not true. But if you think about that, if you think about the commands of God from a worldly perspective, it was idiotic for Gideon to go against the Midianites with 300 people, especially when originally he had thousands that were ready to go with him. And God said, no, no, send them home, bring these 300, because I need you to know that it was me that did this and not you. And that's the key for us to understand God's purpose when he sends us into situations that are far beyond ourselves. Our purpose here is to be an ambassador for the kingdom of God. God works in us and through us in order to bring himself glory so that the world will know who he is. He testifies through us, through our presence in the world, to the power and the glory of the kingdom of God. But we have to show up. In order for us to go and receive the blessing that God intends to give as he demonstrates his glory and his purposes and his kingdom in the world, we have to be willing to be obedient and we have to be willing to look stupid. Now, I know that sounds a little counterintuitive, but we seriously, we have to be willing to look stupid. Why do I say this? Because Paul said this. Because Paul says, I am a fool for Christ. The message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. There are times in your walk as a Christian where you are going to believe wholeheartedly that you have looked like an idiot and because you proclaimed what you proclaimed in the name of Jesus Christ, you made him look stupid. I got to tell you, God does not care if the world thinks that he looks stupid because in the end, God wins. God's knowledge and his ways and his means of doing things are not the same as ours and we're not always going to understand. We need to be obedient. And so this is the, the message that I have been getting a lot in a lot of different ways the last few weeks. We need to be obedient. We need to show up when God sends us and we may not understand it might not make sense to us. Sometimes the Lord reveals the grand vision to us and we can see all of the details of what it is he has planned in the road ahead of us. And it's amazing when he does that, don't get me wrong, but oftentimes 
his plans are too big and too complicated for us to really get a hold on. And if he reveals all of it at once to us, we're liable to just freeze up and freak out and stumble as we're going along. More often than not, he's going to give us one step at a time. And as we are obedient, he reveals the next step and the next step and the next step until we begin to see the unfolding of his plan. It is our role in the world to be obedient one step at a time as a testimony to the wisdom of God that looks like foolishness to the world, as a testimony to the power of God to do the things that we can't do, like Daniel in the lion's den, like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fire, like Abraham before a giant that should have taken him out, like Jehoshaphat and the Israelites in the face of the massive armies that were coming against them, like Hezekiah in front of Sennacherib in the Assyrian army. We need to be obedient in our battles. Because when we are obedient, we don't need to fight the battle. The battle belongs to the Lord. We need to stand firm and hold our position and we will see the salvation of the Lord. I pray that you guys, whatever your battles will know that Jesus is with you in them, that he has sent the Holy Spirit to stand firm with you, to make you stand when you know that you're going to fall. And all you need to do is be present. And if you're starting to shake, if you're starting to fear, if you forget that the battle is God's, if you're wondering where he's at, try singing. Try singing his praise. Because it's when we acknowledge the Lord, when we sing his praises, when we speak of his glory and his might, that he shows up and delivers us from whatever it is that's trying to take us down. So I pray for your battles, whether they're personal, whether they're institutional, whether they're literal whatever your battles may be. Father God, I pray that we would remember that the battle belongs to you, that the war has already been won, that you do not require us, Lord God, to come into these places that you send us, whether they're personal conversations or whether they are institutional battles or whether they are wars. Whatever it is, Lord, wherever you send us, you don't call us there to win under our power. We're not able. But we are filled with your Holy Spirit, Lord God. And we are willing vessels for your power and for your glory, for your grace and for your love. We are willing vessels, Father, for your words to flow out into the world around us in praise of who you are so that you are glorified and you are magnified, Lord God. And as that happens, Lord, we know that your enemies will become confused and they will flee. Father God, I praise you and I thank you tonight for the battles that you send us into. I praise you, Father, for mm, 
the relationships you call us to repair. I praise you, Father, for calling us to ask for things that are far beyond anything we could ask or imagine. I praise you, Father, that you are willing and able to demonstrate your glory in the world. <clears throat> to provide for the needs of your people. And to deliver them from evil, Lord God. I pray that you would do that for each person listening tonight. That you would deliver us from evil, Lord. And we ask that in the name of Christ. And all for your glory, Lord God. Amen. Be blessed and be a blessing.